Hello everyone. Welcome to the Belmont Journal, Belmont's own local program for hyperlocal news and community affairs programming. I'm your host, Roger Colton. As we move into warm weather, yard sales are beginning to sprout around town. It's important for residents to remember that a free online permit is required for all yard sales. Questions should be directed to the town clerk's office at 617-993-2600. Since the Federal Communications Commission is considering a rule change that could wipe out all funding, not only for the Belmont Media Center, but for hundreds of community television stations around the country, we'd like to thank U.S. Senator Ed Markey, who spoke against this rule change at a recent Senate oversight hearing on the FCC. Here's a part of what Senator Markey said. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, the public educational and governmental television, uh, also known as PEG or cable access TV, offers critical coverage of local government proceedings, cultural events, and community meetings. These stations are invaluable platforms for local voices in an era of media globalization and consolidation. But the FCC has proposed a change to current rules governing franchise agreements that would allow cable companies to shirk their obligations to the communities where they operate. The proposal would allow cable companies uh, to avoid paying some franchise fees to local cities and towns. That would imperil PEG channels across the country. Again, Commissioner Rosenworcel, why is it critical that PEG channels continue to have the resources they need to serve their communities? There are thousands of PEG channels in communities across this country. They cover the high school football games. They cover City <coughs> Hall. They provide people with truly local information. I don't think the FCC's franchise fees proceeding should bring all of those stations and all of that coverage to an end. Commissioner Starks, can you comment upon the need to ensure that we continue robust funding for the local PEG channels? Every single city and town in America has it and is greatly reliant upon the information that is provided. Yes, uh, these PEG channels we know also are uh, some of the, uh, on the vanguard when there are national emergencies. They are often relied upon in that context. I think it's important that these PEG channels continue to have the funding that they need in order to survive and go to the very touchstone of our uh, broadcast rules, which is for localism. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. Um, I know that when the big TV stations go away, the only thing that's left in many communities is just that local cable access channel so the people who live in that one small community can continue to watch the big issue developing in their local uh, uh, area. And, uh, and if this gets diminished, it's just the, the loss of a great uh, resource for communities across the country. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Mark. The Brendan Grant Foundation held its 18th and final home run event this past Sunday. We had the opportunity to sit down with Casey Grant, the father of Brendan Grant and the head of the foundation, to talk about the, what the foundation is and what it seeks to accomplish. Today we're celebrating the final installment, the 18th and final year of Brendan's Home Run 5K Race and Walk, uh, which has been a Belmont tradition since 2002 when we first held it. On June 27th in 2001, my son Brendan Grant was playing baseball on the high school varsity field and had a collision 
uh, with another player. Uh, it was a fatal collision, um, and in 30 minutes, our life really changed dramatically. Uh, not just for me and my family, but for our community, uh, for all the young people that were directly involved, and it really impacted a lot of people. We've done great things since then um, with the Brennan Grant Foundation in his honor, uh, where we have gone out, uh, we were able to rename the baseball field, uh, raise funds through events like Brendan's Home Run, uh, but we do a baseball tournament, we do a golf tournament, uh, we do the wrestling tournament, we used to do a ski race up in New Hampshire, um, and all of these events uh, celebrating uh, parent-child relationships and, um, and furthering the cause, and we've been able to provide 40 four scholarships to graduating high school seniors. Brennan's home run is comprised of actually three separate events. The main event is the 5K run, and we're very proud of the people that show up for this race today. We have some of the most gifted uh, local New England area runners show up for our event. Uh, and these people uh, that uh, participate in our elite class, they have won marathons, uh, they set national records, they've been uh, in Olympic time trials. Um, and so again, we have uh, gifted people showing up and it's, a great, it's great to watch it here in Belmont. If I had one thing to tell the Belmont community, I would just tell them that we've been able to accomplish so much good out of something that seemingly was not good. And that's a true lesson for all of us, uh, as we've been able to turn the tide of something that was very tragic um, and, and turn it into all these good things that we've done. We're very proud of what we've been able to accomplish as the foundation uh, and with Brendan's home run. Even though this is the last race uh, for Brendan's home run as we hang up our cleats, on uh, this one particular intensive activity. Uh, on the other hand, we, the foundation, are continuing our mission and our worthy cause, and we plan to be around for as long as we will be around. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in the Belmont Citizen Herald. I have with me today Joanna Juvelis, who is the multimedia journalist for the Citizen Herald and for Wicked Local Belmont. Joanna, the construction on the New Middle and High School has begun. It has. And everybody knows that the entrance to the new school is going to change. It's going to be at Godin and Concord. Is. So instead of just being an, an exit like it is now onto Concord Avenue, it's going to be an entrance and an exit at the intersection of Godin and Concord. And the town's uh, traffic working group has really been working hard and they've uh, yeah. come to some at least tentative conclusions on what to do to make sure that people are safe on the yes. streets. Safety is the primary goal. So what they did is they hired a, a traffic consultant, it's actually the town's traffic consultant, BSC group, who did a study on this four school neighborhood. It's the four school neighborhood, Burbank, Wellington, Belmont, and Belmont High. And Chenery, yes. And the Chenery. All the, all the streets that surround it, which are Godin and School and Orchard and Cottage, all those streets. He's, this traffic consultant studied that, and then he came up with recommendations of how to make it safer for pedestrians and bicyclists, how to mitigate cut-through traffic, because there is a lot of cut-through traffic, especially on Godin, and how to calm the, the existing traffic. Let's go through some of uh, uh, those uh, recommendations. Yes. Uh, one of the, uh, the things they're trying to do is to 
make it safer for pedestrians and bicycles, yes. uh, both. How are they going to do that? Well, one way is, you know how a lot of the sidewalks have our, the tree roots are uplifting the cement? It's, it's very unsafe for pedestrians. So they're going to reconstruct a lot of those sidewalks on those walking routes to those four schools. Because people can just trip on those sidewalks. Very, the very sidewalks dangerous. The sidewalks are, yes. are dangerous. Yes. Okay. That's one thing, and they're also going to reconstruct a lot of the curb bump outs at these intersections to make them safer for pedestrians as well. And let's explain for a minute what a bump out is. A bump out is where there is a, uh, well, a construction example, that sort of sticks out into the street so it narrows the uh, yes. distance somebody needs to walk to yeah, cross Yeah, and it's the like street. a buffer between walkers and cars, okay. and they want to add grass buffers and what they call vertical curbing. Okay. Not exactly sure what that is, but it's definitely going to make it safer for walkers and bikers. And the other thing they're going to do is they're adding a traffic light at the intersection of Golden and, and Concord. That's huge. There's going to do uh, a lot of turn restrictions. There's, there's between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. and between 2 p.m. and I think 6 p.m. Those are the busiest times. They're going to have turn restrictions during those really busy times at particular locations. Seems like one of the things that the town is rightfully always trying to do is simply to slow traffic down. That's right. Have they made proposals to do that? Yes, they, that's what they're that's what they're trying to do. They're going to have speed tables and speed feedback signs at a lot of these intersections: Orchard and Golden, Golden and School, and I forget what the other one is. But these are the oh, uh, Orchard and Golden, Golden and Orchard, and School and Golden. Those are the three intersections that they're going to add speed tables and speed feedback signs to. They also want to put a bike lane on Golden on Street, Golden Street that will be shared it, with motorists. And it will be a marked bike, uh, yes, bike marked lane. Yes, marked with yellow so. lines. With yellow lines yes. or yellow paint? Yellow yellow paint. <laughs> okay. Now a lot, of, a lot of residents, particularly residents on School Street, are very concerned about how traffic is going to be worse. One resident believes that 4,000 cars travel up and down Golden every day. And she's concerned that it might even increase to, to 7,000 cars a day. Now, we don't know if that's true or not, but these are just... Okay, you know, and let's make it clear to uh, our viewers, these aren't a done deal. These are recommendations exactly. that have been presented. Right. The Traffic, traffic Advisory uh, Committee will yes. meet and vote on those, and the Ultimately, select board... Ultimately, the select board have to make the final decision. And Glenn Clancy, Director of Community Development, wants to implement some of these changes in the summer. They actually want to do some trial runs. They're, they're even making part of Godin one way. They want to try that and see how that works. Godin between orchard and school. So the bottom line way. is that we should expect changes in the four school neighborhoods. Yes. Do we have yes. time for one more piece of uh, big we, news? We do not. Ah! We've been speaking with Joanna Juvelis, who is the multimedia journalist for the Belmont Citizen Herald. Welcome to This Week in the Belmontonian. I have with me today Franklin Tucker, who is the editor and publisher of the Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. Franklin, the uh, activities and decisions on the ice rink seem to be moving fast and furious. That's right. Um, what we found out is that on Tuesday, the last uh, uh, school committee meeting of the school year, um, uh, they, the school committee voted and accepted guidelines that they would like to see in the RFP, which is a request for a proposal that will go out to bid. So now it's going to be two months where 
the basically the, the Office of Community Development will develop a, a specialized RFP for the rink, for the new rink. And you say it's a specialized because there is a private developer involved. With That's this. right. It's a private developer. It's a public-private uh, partnership. So there's going to have to be a vote of town meeting. And that's what's going to cause uh, this fast and furious um, uh, uh, aspect of this project. First, uh, first, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the guidelines. Yes. First thing we're going to find out is that there, there's going to actually be a traffic study because they really don't know where to put the entrance and exit of, the, uh, of this new rink. So they're going to have to do a study and they're going to have to find out where they're going to put the 70 to 90 parking spaces there. Now, the interesting thing about the parking is that it's associated with the parking for the new middle school and high school. So, you know, so it will be related in some way to the high school project. So that's, that's an inter interesting aspect. Now, uh, they decided and, and the school committee, uh, they decided, the school committee decided that it will be one and a half sheets of ice. Yeah, they'll try to minimize the footprint they'll allow, to allow for the three playing fields to be there. Uh, there'll be locker rooms for Harris Field, both inside and outside. Because the, the white field house is being eliminated. That's so right. It's going to be demolished be sometime, uh, sometime soon. Uh, there will be ice time that will be reserved for the uh, high school teams, uh, all the teams, girls and boys. And they must show... And well, uh, and can I interrupt there for yeah. a minute? And it, there will be a particular time during hockey season? That's right. Um, um, the league that they're in, the Middlesex League, plays on certain days. So, they, they, so the contract okay. will say certain days they'll, they'll be allowed to play. Okay. And then there's going to be an oversight committee. That's interesting because there'll be an oversight to com committee that will, be, that will last the, the, the entire uh, lease, the 30-year lease, just to make sure everything is going to plan. So that's interesting. And my understanding is that as part of, part of the RFP, uh, the bidder has to demonstrate a financial viability? That's right. He, uh, th 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 that group will have to show that they can, they can, be, that they can pay off their loans, basically, um, uh, by the amount of uh, activity uh, they, they're, they're going to have at the rink. Now, uh, of course, the town would like to have uh, specific times that, that the rink is going to be quiet, you know, no one wants to have hockey at 2 a.m. Yes. So, uh, so there will be some negotiation, something in the RFP that will say, you know, we will try to limit it to as much as you can do. And then do these guidelines uh, address the, the non-ice-related activities? Uh, the rec department does have a, a, a say what's going to be going in um, uh, some of the activities, but they will have to, that's, other, that's another part of the negotiation of the lease. Let's talk about the timeline for a minute because it really this, seems amazing. This is very fast, very unusual to have a, a, a major project. Well, this is a sort of a major project in town to go so quickly. But what's what's what what they what has to be done is everything has to be done front loaded because this project has to come before town meeting, the special town meeting, which uh, is November thirteenth. So the everything day has to happen <laughs> before that. The day after Labor Day, the school committee has to put their edits into the RFP. Then there's going to be two public meetings, one after the other, on the tenth and seventeenth of September. Then you know it's just going to be just every the proposals will go out. There'll be five weeks where where bids will come in, and it literally is one week after the other. Major projects, major decisions will have to be made, so that an award, a contract is awarded by November twenty sixth. And it's just amazing that you're going to do all this for in such a, cons, cons, uh, such, such a constraint. 
is there, is there a danger in there? Well, you're always, the faster you do something, it's always something that may slip through or you may be going so quickly that you're not getting the number of bids. I mean, you would like to have a long bid period. You know, six weeks is, is the minimum you really want to have. We're only going to have five. But we know that there are at least one group that, uh, that is really eager to, to bid on this. That's great. Well, thanks for bringing us up to date. Thank you. We've been speaking with Franklin Tucker, the editor and publisher of the Belmontonian. Here's the Belmont Media Center's Jane Peters to tell us about all there is to do in Belmont in the coming week on Community Calendar. Hi everyone, I'm Jane and this is your Community Calendar for next week. Many kids write average or even bad college essays. Tales better than life lessons learned from football or how my trip to Europe broadened my cultural horizons are there for the writing. CollegeWise will show you what admissions officers really look for in great college essays in their workshop at the library on Monday at 7. The Beach Street Center's Nutrition and Health Lecture Series continues on Tuesday at 1.15. Dr. Dan Wu will present Feeding Your Immune System, all about how you can eat to boost your immune system and keep it strong. Honoring the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing on the moon, all ages can reserve time to experience the Traveling Planetarium at the Beach Street Center on Tuesday between 2.30 and 5. Additional activities will take place at the library to commemorate the 50th anniversary, including lunar virtual reality experiences provided by BMC. Fireflies are a natural joy of summer. Learn about them indoors and search for them outside around the Habitat Wildlife Sanctuary on Tuesday from 8.15 to 9.45 p.m. This family program is recommended for children's ages 5 and up. Register by visiting massautobahn.org. Visit Belmont Books this week for any of these author talks. On Tuesday, you can attend the book launch of Amy Joan Peckett's Two Truths and a Lie, sharing crazy true stories about the natural world. On Wednesday, Lisa Duffy will be speaking about her book, This is Home, centering on the unlikely friendship between a teenager and military wife. And on Thursday, four local mothers and authors speak on their experiences as mothers who write. Learn more at belmontbooks.com. And the Payson Park Music Festival continues next week with Belmont native Cheryl Arena Band. The concert begins at 6.45 in the park. You can see a full lineup of bands at ppmf.org. And that's all for next week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can send your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org. Summertime has started for all Belmont students now. For the eighth graders, the last day in school gave them a particular time to celebrate their middle school achievements. Here are the highlights of that ceremony. You can watch the entire ceremony on the Belmont Media Center's television stations, or you can stream it online at belmontmedia.org. I've enjoyed watching you grow, laugh, learn, and mature. And thank you for being who you are. And whatever happens after you leave here after one hour, remain who you are. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm going to miss you. You're my favorites. So our first student speaker is from Team 8-1. I'd like to honor Mr. Alvin Liu. Whether we realize it or not, our experience here has shaped a large part of our character. We've developed our own moral code, distinguished right from wrong, and laid down the foundation for our future. Chinnery's motto is respectful, responsible, and ready to learn. Everybody, every day. Today we'll give out nine awards, three from each team, representing the three R's. Respectful, responsible, and ready to learn. From Team 
consistently being respectful, Christopher Bogay. For teammate two, Sophie McDevitt. And for teammate three, Mr. Weldon Smith. We're gonna have our next student speakers from teammate two, Miss Angela Kim and Miss Anya Chin. Band taught us that we're not always going to have the melody. In fact, most of the time we won't. But we should use just as much of our effort to play the background parts as when we play the melody line. We should listen, think, and let those with the melody shine through. Be constantly searching for something else, because there is more. There is always something else, something maybe not apparent or right in front of you. Go and look for it. Our right, next for our responsible award, for teammate one, Maima Giake. For teammate two, Asaf Dos Santos. And for teammate three, Gianna Burgess. The student speaker for teammate three, Miss Molly Plunkett. I honestly think our middle school experience is best described as a roller coaster. We've had some great highs, like trips to DC and Canby Lake Park, and some lows, like the infamous Ferry Beach trip, which at the time we all thought was the worst possible thing that could occur in middle school. But sadly, it wasn't. Um, last year, we lost our beautiful, smart, and all-around kind person, Maddie Knight. When Maddie passed, everyone was devastated. There are no words to describe our grief at her loss. And yet knowing Maddie, as we knew her, she would want us to keep going, to keep doing good in this world of ours. And so she'll always be a part of the class of 2023. As we go on to the next four years of our lives, we will carry Maddie with us. Who she was shines through us every day. We are positive in the face of adversity. We are perseverant, we are talented. And most importantly, we look out for each other. We will face many more challenges, but I know with these traits, we will guide us through a great four years of high school. All right, next, uh, our last three awards are the Ready to Learn Award. For teammate one, for being consistently ready to learn, we have Bridget Gray. For teammate two, Clara Bhagwati. And finally, for teammate three, Stella Lesnar. Respectful, responsible, and ready, aren't just chantery things. They're necessary parts in all of life. They're not just required on your best days, but especially on your worst days. And they're not just needed by some of you, they're needed by all of us. By everybody, every day, and everywhere. Last Saturday, the Belmont High School Car Club organized its second exotic car show on the Belmont High School parking lot. Gilcrest Boyan and Lucas Shanacostas were there and bring us the story. So you guys organized this entire event. What made you want to do this? Last year we actually decided to do a show for Toys for Tots. Um, just we kind of saw it one day because we know some other um, in Connecticut they host a huge one and we figured why not try out try that out at our own school. So we basically just got that together, got some people together to help us do that. Uh, Nick and I are big on like in the car scene on Instagram. So we promoted the show there and we got essentially just got people to come via like posters and like just advertising that way. And we ended up, I think it was $307, right? $307 in cash and we like three big toys, yeah, four big toys for Todd's boxes. So it was a really great turnout. It was in um, November though, so we weren't actually expecting that much, but we did get um, a pretty good amount of like donations and all that. So yeah, we figured why not just do a second one um, in collaboration with Dana Farber because that's another big um, uh, organization and it's for a great cause. So we figured why not do that? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and also the reason we part of the reason we chose Dana Farber is that we um, lost our classmate uh, Cleo, who is a junior at Belmont High School this year. Um, and the field hockey team had been doing a fundraiser for Dana Farber and their cancer research um, organization. So we thought that we would help them out and um, use our passion for cars to be able to raise money for a great cause. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Belmont Journal. Thanks for watching. I'm your host, Roger Colton, and I will see you again next week.